Most of us have been asking a similar question all week. Given this state or that state's results, well, now what? Given that we don't have the final results yet, well, now what? It might be similar to some of us experiencing when we first got dropped off to college or we went into our first college class and we're sitting in the dorm room or we're sitting in the lecture hall and we're sort of excited and sort of our whole future is ahead of us. But then we sort of ask the question, well, well now what do I do? And maybe it's similar to others of us who have had children and our first child is sort of that memorable experience and you, you leave the hospital and you sort of wonder, well, like, well, now what do I do? What am I supposed to do now? <laughs> and everything sort of, the future seems bright or at least the future seems out there in some regard if the future doesn't seem bright to you. And you're sort of excited and anxious, maybe a combination of both or one or the other. And we're talking about in this series, those uncertain seasons of life when you're asking the question, well, now what? And so far, we've looked at two stories of Jesus where he sort of challenges the people's certainty. And in week one, we said that being certain of anything beyond Jesus can cause problems. And then in week two, we said that when anything contradicts our certainty, we turn it into opposition to our certainty. But our real point was that leaning on Jesus instead of things, while it can't give us certainty in this life, it is the better option. If you missed any of these messages or you want to watch them again, you can head to our YouTube channel to do that. Today, though, we're going to ask the question, so what do you do when you ask the question, now what? But the answer seems that it's going to require more of you than you actually have. Maybe it's this election. Maybe it's racial justice. Maybe it's COVID. Maybe it's a relationship in your life. That when you look at what's going to be expected of you or what's going to be required of you, and then you look at what you're actually able to give, you realize you don't have enough to actually get this to to give or to meet the requirement. Uh, Whether you're a Jesus follower or not, I think we've all sort of wondered this at times. But then you add in the Jesus follower component that we're supposed to love other people as Jesus has loved us. And and we sort of ask this question in our church, what does love require of me? Well, what if love requires more of me than I actually have to give? Maybe it's in your marriage or maybe you need to deal with some habits that you haven't been able to get rid of just yet. Maybe it's dealing with some relationships, a neighbor, a coworker, a family member who you really struggle to get along with. And you know what love requires of you, but you don't think you have enough to actually do that. You don't have it in you to do that. And many times we just sort of give ourselves a pass or we make excuses and say, well, I can't help it. That's just the way I was raised. Or if you knew what I experienced growing up, then you would understand. But is it possible to actually change? Can the selfish become unselfish? Can the anxious find peace? Can the hoarder become a giver? Can the angry actually become gentle? Can those who are insecure actually become courageous? Like, what do you do when love requires a better version of you than you currently are? Because in other areas of our lives, we could sort of just give a prescription, or you could give a prescription, I could give a prescription. Um, Physically, if you need to be in better shape, you know, we could probably sort of give the same prescription to both of us. You need to eat healthier and you need to exercise, right? Um, If you needed to get better professionally or I needed to get better professionally, we could sort of share book resources or a list of books to read or we could share conferences to attend or a coach to go and find. But what do you do when you need to become a better person or how do you sort of grow character in your life? So a question for discussion. When you think about this uncertain season of life, what are some of the areas of your life that seem to require more of you than you have in yourself? What do you need more of? How do you become a better person to face these situations? When Jesus was on this earth, he was sort of preparing his followers for those moments when he was not going to be with them face to face. 
that he knew eventually they would realize Jesus isn't here. He's in heaven now. What do we do now? And Jesus was also sort of preparing his followers for these moments when there was going to be required more of them than they actually had in themselves to give. And so we're going to read a teaching from Jesus when he sort of helps prepare his followers for this. Now, I think this is an important conversation and teaching to pay attention to, but for some of you, it's going to seem very familiar. It's going to feel very familiar. For others of you, this is going to be the first time that you hear this. So we're going to be in John chapter 15. If you want to follow along the Bible app, you can open the Bible app, uh, select the more menu option, then select events, and you can find our church. We'll also have the notes and verses in the notes section of the chat if you want to jump in there. And we'll also have them on the screen as well. John chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. He says this, I am the true grapevine. And Jesus is sort of indicating here that he's sort of the avenue through which all life comes. And uh, you might not believe that, or it might be a stretch for you to believe that. If you're not a Jesus follower, we're really glad that you're here. But I would encourage you to think about what is the source of life. And maybe it's possible that you could consider that Jesus might be the source, or God is the source of life. Continuing on. I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. That God's sort of the master gardener. He's the overseer of the garden and of the world. And, and that's sort of his role to oversee the whole process. Now we're going to talk more about God's role in the coming weeks, but here's what Jesus says about that. He says, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. So they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot produce fruit unless you remain in me. And then Jesus continues to define his role. He says this in verse 5. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. And that's sort of good to know, that we have a role to play in this as well. And Jesus is sort of walking around in an area where it was very common to see a vineyard. And so everyone knew what the or how grapevines worked. And so he's continuing to say that basically, I'm like this vine, that this vine is connected to the ground. And whenever the, the vine sort of needs life or needs nutrients, it pulls it up from the ground. And then you are the branch that's growing off of me, the vine. And that's the way this relationship works. And that's, the, that's your role to play is to remain in me, connected to me as I'm connected to the ground. But when I'm gone, I want you to remember that you are connected to me, that I'm the vine and you are the branch. And don't get it confused that thinking you are the vine because you can't produce life. You can't create life. That you can only create life when it, you're connected to me, Jesus would say. And you're going to try to connect to other vines but don't forget that I am the vine and you are the branches. And this is the relationship between the vine and the branches that we can have with each other, Jesus would say. He continues on. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Now, remain is kind of a common and a powerful word in the New Testament. It sort of it implies that if you connect with, if you stay connected with, if you live with, if you spend time with, if you stay close to me, then we can have the kind of relationship that I want to have with you. And this relationship that God wants to have with us is really different than any other relationship, but sometimes we sort of try to equate it with other similar relationships. Um, some of us think of God like a boss, that God is our boss and you just sort of do what God says. And, and that's sort of fair, but that's not quite what Jesus intends here, because a boss has influence on your life in certain areas, but the boss really doesn't have influence on other areas outside of those specific parts of your life. Um, secondly, some of us consider God as a friend, and, and God does want to be our friend. But eventually, friends can drift apart. 
So that's not quite it. The parent-child relationship, that's a great relationship, and it's a great example that Jesus really does invite us to relate to God as an intimate parent-child relationship. But the relationship that Jesus is referring to is even more close than that. That at some point, a child is going to leave the house, and the parent is going to not have any more influence or supervision over the child. And Jesus says, I still want to have influence on all stages of your life, in every area of your life. And Jesus would say, every other relationship in your life has influence on you, but I want to be in you, and I want you to be in me. And it's sort of an important distinction because God in you should be way more powerful than any influence on you. That God in you is different and more powerful than any other influence on your life. That Jesus says, if you remain in me and I remain in you, then that is the kind of relationship that I can have with you. Continuing on verse 5, it says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Now, what is this fruit that he's talking about? Are you going to sort of have grapes and bananas start popping out of your life? Well, no. Um, fruit in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, and really in the whole Bible, sort of refers to the results of the person that you really are. That fruit in the New Testament is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. That fruit is sort of the character results or the changes that God can produce in your life. And Jesus says, if you remain in me and I remain in you, then there's going to be results of character growth in your life. That people are going to look to you and they're going to see the connection to God's work in your life. And maybe some of you have seen someone who was just sort of drastically changed and it was completely different. And you sort of wonder, well, like, well, what, what happened? Like you used to have a temper, but now I sort of see this sense of gentleness in your life. You used to have sleepless anxiety, and, and now you seem to have a sense of peace. And maybe you were the most impatient person, you used to rush around everywhere, but now you seem to have patience. And Jesus says, this isn't just a little bit of fruit. He says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them, I will produce much fruit, Jesus says. But then he sort of says a phrase that sort of trips me up, and maybe it trips you up as well. He says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. To which we say, like, well, nothing, Jesus? Like, really? Like, Jesus says, well, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing is going to happen. To which some of us might say, well, like, I've become a better person than I used to be, and I'm not even a Jesus follower yet. And unfortunately, in God's economy, a better you is not actually the goal. That the goal is for you to be more like Jesus. That it's sort of a subtle and important and powerful sort of distinction that you can become a better you just by imitating Jesus, but Jesus wants something much more than that for your life. That he wants a, more than just a better version of you, that Jesus wants to do something in you that's unmistakably Jesus. And if you remain in him, and only if you remain in him, can he actually do that thing. Um, it would sort of be like if I gave you a year to sort of become Steph Curry. I give you his master class on shooting and I give you a gym where you could, you know, practice your dribbling and your passing and your shooting skills and I give you everything that you need and I give you a year off of work, your work and your family. Like they all said, yeah, go take that time and, and go become like Steph Curry. If I came back in a year, what do you think you would say? And you say, well, I can't shoot like Steph. He's like arguably the greatest shooter of all time. And I would say, well, why not? Like it seemed like you had enough time, like you had a year and seemed like you were committed enough. And you would probably say, because I can't do that. It's not in me. To which I think is actually sort of the point for us. 
that becoming like Jesus is not in you either. That you might be able to become the person that's a little bit better version of you, but becoming the person that God wants you to be is not in you either. That by yourself, by myself, we're sort of in an escalator going away from Jesus. But Jesus says, if you'll remain in me, if you'll stay close to me, then I can bear fruit and results in your life. And our job is to remain close to him and stay close to him. His job is to produce the results, to produce the fruit, to produce the change in us. So a question for discussion. Is it difficult for you to believe that you can do nothing apart from Jesus? Why or why not? In the next verse, Jesus gives us the consequence for not remaining in him. He says this in verse 6. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. And essentially he's saying a branch that is disconnected from the vine, it basically is useless. It doesn't have any ability to function. And if you were walking through a field to sort of clean it up and you come across a branch that's just laying on the ground, it doesn't matter if it's just fallen off or if it was been disconnected for a year, you would have the same response. This branch is useless and it's gonna go on the compost pile. It's gonna go in the burn pile because it's not useful for anything else. A branch can't bear fruit on its own. It has to be connected to the vine. And you are the same way. Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. A better you, maybe. More like Jesus, you can't do it. It's not in you. But if you will connect, stay connected with Jesus and remain in him, he can do things in your life that you never thought were possible. Continuing on verse 7. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted to you. Have you ever had someone's words that sort of just like stuck with you and sort of just like kept coming back up in your thoughts? Maybe it was something negative and someone said something bad to you and it's sort of those thoughts creep up regularly. Uh, maybe it was something positive and someone spoke life over you and it sort of just continues to stick with you today. And Jesus says, if my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted, which is sort of a powerful kind of amazing promise. It's quite a promise that if you ask for anything, it'll be granted to you. So does that mean like I can ask for a a new car, a new house, new family, new new job, whatever. Well, what's the context here? The context is fruit. The context is results in your life and character in your life because of Jesus being in your life, being in you. You remain in him. And so that thing that trips you up, you can ask Jesus to remove it. That as you abide in him and as you remain in Jesus, he will grow new things in you as he removes the old things. Do you have anxiety and you want peace? Remain in Jesus and ask him to give you peace. And as he removes the anxiety, do you, you feel a need for courage? Remain in Jesus and ask him for it. Do you feel prone to anger? Remain in Jesus and ask him to remove it. Do you feel a need for self-control? Remain in Jesus and ask him for it. That over time he can change and sort of grow new things in you that again, you might not have thought were possible. And as we look at the now what situations of the day, this is really where we find ourselves today, that we lack these things in our life. This is what we're usually lacking. That yeah, more money might seem more helpful, but maybe you need patience. Yeah, more votes for your candidate would seem great, but maybe you need to practice gentleness. Yeah, there's a lot of you know better jobs out there that might seem more helpful, but maybe you need to practice endurance. Maybe God wants to give you endurance. Maybe you want a better spouse, but maybe what you really need is self-control. And that sort of brings us back to today that I think many of us have realized this week or maybe we've realized last several weeks that these uncertain situations are requiring more of us than we have 
on our own. That remaining in Jesus is the only way forward. So what does that look like? Well, remaining in Jesus sort of uh, involves being connected to Jesus and staying with him. And I think there's two things to do with this. Uh, Constantly considering and investing time. So first, um, you know, these two things, if we do these things, it sort of gives us the ability to have God's power to face whatever it is that's coming our way. So when we talk about constantly considering, this sort of kind of relates to a marriage relationship, um, that you constantly consider the other person. That as much as your spouse might want you to constantly think about them throughout the day, it's almost impossible because of work and traffic and kids. But you can constantly consider how your decisions and the opportunities that come your way will impact your spouse. And the same is true for our relationship with Jesus. That as decisions and opportunities come our way, we can constantly consider how this is going to impact our relationship with Jesus. Will this help this person, this thing, this opportunity help push us towards Jesus or pull us away from him? So constantly considering. Second thing is investing time. And again, it's sort of similar to a marriage relationship. That if you only consider your spouse, but you never spend time with them, you're not going to remain with your spouse, right? And the same thing is true that if if you never consider how your decisions will impact your relationship with Jesus, you're not going to remain in Jesus. It doesn't matter how much time you spend. But if you don't spend time, invest time with Jesus and your and your relationship with him, eventually you're going to stop considering Jesus. That sort of happens with friendships over time. If you stop investing time or you can't invest time because you move away or whatever, eventually we stop considering that person. And the same is true of our relationship with Jesus. If you stop considering and you stop investing time, eventually you won't remain in Jesus. So constantly considering, number one, how does this affect my relationship with Jesus? Is this going to make it better? Is this going to help me to love other people like he would want me to love them? Is this the way that he would want me to live? That I can't make a decision without considering Jesus in my decision. And then the second part is the investing time part, which is why people spend time starting their day praying. It's why they turn off the radio in the car so they can listen and talk to God. It's why people spend time reading God's word and invest time reading God's word so that his words can get into their life and impact their life. That remaining in Jesus is both constantly considering and investing time in the relationship. That if you remain in Jesus, you can draw on that power that you need when you're asking the question, well, now what do I do in these situations? So let me ask the same question that we start our time off together with. What if this season requires more of you than you have? That in light of Jesus' teachings about the vine and the branches, if you're connected to Jesus, he will equip you with what you need. But you can't. He can through you, though. And you can't, but he can through you. And so this week, maybe for the first time ever, I want you to practice remaining in him. I would encourage you to start doing that. To practice constantly considering Jesus in your life and the decisions and opportunities you have. To to depend on him, to lean on him. I also want you to practice investing time with him regularly. That if you're willing to do this, I hope that afterwards we could all tell stories of the fruit that God has grown in our lives in some of the most difficult seasons of our lives that is unmistakably Jesus working in us because we were remaining in him. That really in many ways, we're all too busy for this, right? We all are too busy because of work, because of family, because of all kinds of lists of things we could do. But this remaining in him thing, it doesn't seem urgent. It might seem important, but it doesn't seem urgent. 
So here's what I think Jesus would say to us. That everything you do this week is worthless if you don't remain in him, if you're not connected to him. That you can't be the person that your spouse or your coworkers or your kids need you to be. You can't be the person that God wants you to be in this situation if you don't remain in him. And you can't be the person that these uncertain situations call for if you don't remain in him. That when it comes to the uncertainty, the election, COVID, racial justice, the economy, we can only face these things when we are, we are in a place where we are remaining in him because he will help us to know what to do next. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the unique relationship that you want to have with us. Thank you that you want to equip us with the power to face these uncertain situations. And it's not power from us, it's really the power from you. So God, for everyone who might want to dismiss this or just think, or maybe we just wouldn't think about this again, God, would you please help us to think about this this week? That as we face something or we look at some situation or we look at some person that just is really uncertain in our lives, that you would help us to consider this. God, would you help us to to see this? Would you help us to feel this? Would you help us to know that anything that we accomplish without you is really worthless if we're not connected to you? So God, would you give each of us a sense of urgency and a sense of importance that we need to remain in you? God, would you help us to consider you in everything? Would you help us to invest time in our relationship with you this week? That God, as we do this, God, would you please Begin to show us the kind of fruit that you want to bear in our lives, that you want to grow in us. And God, we do ask for your help in our country. Um, With all the uncertainty that we're facing with the election, with COVID, racial justice, the economy, and so much more, God. Would you help us to lean on you? Would you help us to remain in you, Jesus? It's in your name we pray. Amen.